Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable GRE course that includes everything you need to ace your GRE exam. Uh, this includes a full textbook, tons of GRE questions backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free by visiting achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast will get you 10% off at checkout. Also, if you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, please contact me at tyler at achievable.me with the subject line podcast topic. Now, let's get started. Today, we've got Oren Margulis from Pine Tree and Palm Consulting with us. And Oren, I lo- would love if you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your company. Yeah, happy to do it. Hey, Tyler. Uh, so again, Oren Margolis, um, the owner and only person at Pine Tree and Palm Consulting. Um, my background's pretty varied. Um, I worked in MBA admissions um, and also undergraduate admissions at NYU for about six years um, before embarking on a whole bunch of other professional endeavors and circling back to starting uh, an MBA consulting business. I also do some career coaching and some other grad school admission stuff as well. Um, but I'm a sole proprietor. I run a boutique firm. Um, it's really only me. Um, so what you hear is what you get. Um, and I've been doing it for a number of years now um, with folks that have applied to you know all of the top uh, full-time MBA programs, but also part-time MBA programs, executive MBA programs, and then some assorted other grad programs. Um, so really excited to be here. Great. Yeah, and so today, um, I mean, you mentioned different types of programs, right? I think, um, you know, this is, makes you a good person to talk about this. Uh, how do you build an MBA school list that's going to set yourself up for success? Um, I think a lot of times people, regardless of kind of where they're at, <laughs> or just start their list by saying, what are the top 10 schools? Okay, that's where I want to go. And yeah. that's not really the right way to do it for everybody. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm curious, kind of start take it from the top, right? Like, what do you feel like is uh, the first thing you should do when you're starting to look at schools? Yeah, totally. And also caveat the conversation by saying my lens is fairly specific. Like when, when I talk about this topic and others, like my lens is pretty specific to MBA programs. So you know, it might be a little bit different for, for other grad programs, but, you know, from an MBA perspective, it's like first thing that you're looking to figure out before you even decide to apply to an MBA program is like, what are my goals? Like, what do I actually want to get out of this whole endeavor? And so in the MBA landscape, like different schools can do different things for you, right? Like some folks are wanting to be a consultant after business school, or some folks are wanting to go into social impact. So you're actually looking like after business school before you're even looking to business school. Um, so thinking like really critically, what are my goals um, professionally, but then also like, what are my goals personally? What are my restrictions? Like, do I have a significant other right. who just got into grad school in Virginia? And so I'm kind of tied to the Eastern seaboard. It's a good way to narrow down your list. Um, thinking about like, what's the vibe of the school that I want? Do I want a school that has like a really well-known and close-knit student body? Um, am I comfortable being in the middle of nowhere? Do I need a city? Like all of those things are a good place to just like start that brainstorm swirl. Um, and then the real like meat of what I will emphasize is like, what's the right overall fit? Um, and that takes into account so many things. And the number one thing I want to emphasize is like, while all the things I mentioned are important, academic fit is also super important. Like what's actually mm-hmm. realistic for me. Um, and there are a couple of steps to figure out um, how to get there. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's like kind of two follow-ups to that, but let's start with the one that you just mentioned, which is like academic fit. How do you actually figure out where is a good realistic sort of place for you to apply? Yeah. And like my job and my MO is never to tell folks not to apply somewhere that they have their heart set on. Like, I think people should feel empowered to apply like wherever they want, but they should feel empowered to apply their understanding, um, understanding their odds and understanding like effort versus potential reward. Right. Um, So I see a lot of people who come to me from, you know, from great undergraduate programs who have had great academic records um, who have really strong career goals and basically have like all their ducks in a row for business school. And then I'm like, okay, cool. So like, have you taken the GMAT or GRE yet? And they're like, no. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, You set like, sounds great. Well, now you kind of don't know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, I think these programs could be realistic, but if you come to me in like four weeks and you've taken the GMAT and your score is like not competitive, it's going to be just like a really different conversation than if you're coming to me and saying, yeah, I got a 760. Um, And that's just the reality of the process, right? Um, So that's like one component of academic fit is is the test. Also, um, undergraduate record. And at least from a business school perspective, like that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have like a 4.0 GPA to be competitive for top programs. That's, that's not the message that I want to send at all. Um, Sometimes, um, you know, that exercise is figuring out how to contextualize your grades and then get a killer GMAT or GRE score. um, And Mm -hmm. and then you'll position yourself really well for, for these schools. Um, So there's a lot of factors that go into academic fit, but like at its core testing, academic record in, in undergrad, any additional coursework you've taken between undergrad and, and grad school, um, and potentially from an MBA perspective, um, kind of like uh, any effort you've shown to prove like quantitative readiness to excel in business school. Um, but mm-hmm. realistically, that's, uh, you know, that's more of like an ancillary consideration versus some of the hard numbers. So I'm curious, um, as far as uh you know, figuring out like where you stand on the standardized test scores, that's usually pretty straightforward. You can go to their website or you can Google it and you can usually find like an average number. And generally speaking, you know, if you feel like you'll be able to hit the average or go a little bit above that average, then you're, then you're probably fine. And you can kind of check that box. If you are, um, you know, substantially below the average, like, you know, more than sort of 30, 40 GMAT points or, I don't know what the similar, the equivalent would be, maybe five GRE points. Um, you should maybe work on that. But then yeah. the GPA part is not quite as cut and dry. And so I'm curious, like, how do you kind of evaluate what the school, what GPAs the school is going to be expecting or what's an average GPA for the applicants of a school? Yeah, I mean, schools usually publish both. Um, so okay. f- from, a, from a GMAT or GRE perspective, they... Business schools are usually publishing the middle 80%, um, like the middle 80 percentile range, which is like, like pretty much covers it, right? So mm-hmm. um, if if you're above that, awesome. Like, no need to worry. You're clearly starting from a place of strength. If you're below that, like the question to ask is, am I, am I one of the 10% that is so exceptional that I can make up for that um, with other qualities? Mm-hmm. And maybe the answer is yes, and then shoot your shot. Like, that's, that's great. Um, yeah, from, but to your question, from a transcript or undergraduate record, 
It's a little bit more subjective, honestly. Um, I mean, there are published ranges on, you know, on, on all schools' websites, so it's always good to be in there. But that's one where there's so much more nuance to an undergraduate record than just a number. Um, like, and, and even within that number, there can be variations. So you can have a 3.5 and have like, you know, mostly A's, but then like a handful of F's and that's a problem. <laughs> um, or you can have, you know, you can be like kind of like a solid B student with some A's and some C's, which is a little bit more kind of, uh, you know, steady and solid. Um, right. So th there, there is more nuance there. Like from a business school perspective, it's like, Hey, did you get, um, did you do well in quantitative coursework? Did you take quantitative coursework? And if the answer is no, that's not a deal breaker for MBA admissions at all. Um, it's a big misconception that it is like plenty of people come in to programs with only like liberal arts coursework under their belt. And like, that's why they're going to business school. So not a prerequisite. Um, but for folks that do have evidence there, like if that's the weakness of your transcript, that'll be a hurdle to overcome in the admissions process. Um, so anyone who's looking at these transcripts, like they look at thousands of them. So they get the nuance, like they understand the strength of the program. They know that like organic chemistry, for example, is a legitimately very difficult class that a lot of people struggle in, might be willing to throw you a bone there if that grade's like a little bit lower than some others um, in the context mm. of a larger transcript. Um, so it, like they have a pretty good calibration bar for different schools, different programs, difficulty of different curricula. Um, so while the number, while the GPA number in MBA land is, is important and it's, it's definitely not nothing, the number doesn't actually tell the whole story. Um, so sure. starting from like a starting from a three point whatever is always good, but if that's not your reality, um, that's one where I'm not. I don't encourage folks to like weed themselves out. Depending on what that looks like, that's sort of a like, uh, you know, how do we strengthen that academic profile with testing, or how do we strengthen that overall profile um, with the story that you're telling. Right. And and so that actually is kind of a nice segmented part two of my question, which is like, what did, what do you do with work experience, right? It's one of the biggest differences yeah. between applying to an MBA program and applying to other types of graduate programs is that there's this whole third leg of the stool, which is your job performance from when you graduated until when you apply, which for the average MBA person is three to five years, right? So yeah. like, what are, I, I guess maybe like, what are the kinds of job experiences that are going to help you? And then what are the kinds that maybe are not going to like, what are the things in sort of your resume portion that are maybe not going to help you or make, or be something that you need to compensate for with better test scores or better grades? Yeah. I mean, what I will say is that like all kinds of job experiences are welcome at top programs, uh, top MBA programs. Mm -hmm. And like a big misconception is like, I got to have come from Google or I got to have come from Goldman or I got to have come from, you know, one of these like, quote unquote, typical MBA career paths in order to be successful. And it's, it's just like not true. Um, those kinds of programs, like those kinds of um, careers are easy for folks to make sense of and understand, um, especially if you've made some good progress, like some uh, had a good upward trajectory, had promotions, that kind of thing. Um, but I would say like, most business school applicants to top programs are coming from pretty normal companies across a range of different um, industries, including those that are like, quote unquote, businessy or financy or consulting or whatever you want to call it. And also those that aren't like I've seen so many mm -hmm. 
teachers and writers and you know chefs like you name it that go to MBA programs to make a career pivot. Um, the the things that'll stand out though, um, the things that'll be a feather in your cap are showing progress, showing that you if you come from a less traditional MBA career path that you can pull out translatable skills and quantify your achievements and you know depending on what you are looking to do after business school like let's say you're a chef that's looking to become a management consultant that's a big pivot <laughs> um but not an impossible one actually and so if in if on your resume you can tell the story of like what are the skills that i gain what's the trajectory that i put myself on in order to be like relevant for a career in management consulting that's like not a hurdle that's hard to overcome actually um that's like an impressive hurdle to have overcome um Mm -hmm. But for folks who have had a trajectory that, uh, like a resume that feels a little bit like dull or disinteresting, or there aren't many accomplishments or not even many like translatable skills pulled out, and you know you're articulating an interest in a career pivot or even like a lateral career move, but you look it, it, it's looking like you'll be it'll be pretty hard for you to make that jump. That's where the red flags start to come out. Right. Yeah. And so then now that you, we've kind of outlined like the first part of it, right? Which is like, how do you kind of evaluate yourself and kind of your position? I'd yeah. love to start thinking about like, how do you actually build the list? I mean, the biggest yeah, thing yeah, yeah. first and foremost is um, that the top 10 list is the top 10 list kind of overall, but maybe not for the specific type of work that you're trying to do, right? For instance, like, Totally. Yeah, I'm sure like Harvard and Stanford have fantastic MBA marketing programs, but like technically Northwestern Kellogg's is the best, right? So it's things like that. So how do you start to figure that stuff out and start to build your list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always internet research, which is kind of a given. But, you know, if you're going to business school, you you, you got to get comfortable networking because um, you'll definitely be doing that the second you walk in the door. And so like all of these programs make themselves pretty available to students. Um, so especially these days, it's like you can hop on a Zoom info session pretty easily, but more importantly, talking to current students and alumni, um, both of your business school, like both of some of your uh, potential targets and also some that you might not have thought of to get a feel for like, what's the community like? What's the ethos of the school like? What are some outcomes that students have had? Um, what are the like main, like most prominent communities on campus, both um, both personally and also like professionally? Um, what are some of the professional centers that exist on campus? So if you're interested in real estate, is there a center for real estate that exists within that business school? If yes, mm -hmm. probably a good sign that that school has some proficiency or expertise. Um, so really like poking around and doing due diligence there, you'll you'll find that especially in the MBA world, people are generally pretty happy to to do a coffee chat or a quick networking session to share more. So a lot of it, you know, I, I tell people to not discount gut feel, um, but also to think very carefully about, like to your point, Tyler, like ROI from a career perspective. Um, can what school can get me where I want to go? Um, and maybe that's just the best the school that's the rank the highest, which is fine if that's a priority of yours, but Maybe it's something that's a little bit more specialized. Maybe there is a programmatic element. Um, and maybe there's something that might appear a little bit further down a ranking list that has uh, either expertise in a career goal of yours 
um, or has a community that really resonates with you, is in a location where you want to end up after business school, um, has a relationship with employers that are relevant to you. Um, those are all things to take into heavy consideration. And, and by the way, um, money can be a consideration too. These programs aren't cheap often. So, you know, thinking about, um, you know, if a school is potentially lower down on a list, but I know that I'm squarely in the mix academically, um, should I be rounding out my, my apply list with a couple of schools that I might be in the mix for scholarships with? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. And I'm curious, uh, what do you feel like is a good, well-constructed MBA school list kind of at the end, right? Do you feel like how many, or what is the purport, like how many schools maybe total, um, yeah. And then, like, what sort of ratio of like reaches versus sort of in the middle versus, uh, for lack of a better word, safety schools? So I know yeah. that nothing is a safety school in graduate school, but you get the idea. Yeah, nothing's a, nothing's a safety school, but like, depending on what your profile looks like, you sh you know you can, especially with in the MBA world, um, that can be a little less subjective uh, or less less yeah less subjective. <laughs> Sorry, um, like you can generally calibrate yourself fairly well um but like i always tell people like you know yourself best if you know your stamina you know your staying power like i think more than like six schools is teetering toward a lot um you know most people who are applying to mba programs are like pretty busy working professionals so you've got other stuff on your plate and you know both work and life usually like four to six is a good is a good sweet spot um i always tell people like people apply for different reasons there are some people who are only wanting to go if they get into a very specific tier of school that's going to make it worth their while from uh from a dollars and cents perspective and i get that and and that's fine um if that's your approach so you also have to feel comfortable not going Right? Um, right. If you're only applying to Harvard and Stanford, there's a, I don't care who you are, there's a very real chance that you will not go to business school. Um, so I, I don't advise that as like a realistic approach. I think it's always helpful for folks to have to at least plan on having some options. So, you know, having the bulk of your school list be like targets, like realistic, probably can like am in the mix even if they might be a little bit of a stretch is a good way to go. Um, and then having one or two that you're fairly confident you can get into and then having a couple that are a reach. Um, the only caveat I'll say to that is um, save your time and don't put schools on your list that you have no interest in, in going to. Um, it sounds obvious, but I work with plenty of people who um, like they just want to have options, but they don't, always like the options that they have and that just doesn't mm -hmm. serve anyone well given the amount of like time effort energy money that goes into the process and it just complicates things in the end right yeah if you only get into schools that you're not actually excited about in the end i mean i don't know i feel like then you're just like well i guess i'm just not going so then why even do it in the first place yeah or you force yourself to, you put a square peg in a round hole and end up somewhere and paying a lot of money for something that you didn't always necessarily need or want in the first place. Um, so 
you know, it, it goes to like the front end of the process being like really crystal clear about what are your intentions? Why am I doing this? What is the ROI I'm looking to achieve? What will help, like what will get me there? I, on the other hand, like I do see plenty of people who are mostly considering like a full-time MBA program, but might be comfortable doing a part-time program if full-time doesn't work out. And that's like a different conversation. Um, but I don't encourage people to just like go buck wild and throw schools on their list that they're not interested. And for that matter, like really, you know, don't have a, like even a, a fighting chance of, of getting into. Right. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Any kind of parting thoughts on this topic? No, I think we've had a good, uh, I think we've kind of scratched the surface um, on this one. There's always uh, plenty more to go on a school list, but the only thing I'll say is it really is customized for every individual, like depends on your goals, depends on your priorities. Um, talking it through with a diversity of folks, um, both who know you as a person and also who know what they're talking about from like an admissions or a business school landscape perspective is always helpful. Um, but there's not a one size fits all approach to, to crafting a list. Uh, a list. I, I just encourage folks to be realistic with themselves and with their goals. Great. Thank you so much. This has been Jiri Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Oren Margulis from Pine Tree and Palm Consulting. And Achievable has a great online Jiri course that you can try for free by going to achievable.me. And if you like it, be sure to use the code podcast to save 10%.